Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 303. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. Having some internet problems this week. Yeah. Always. As per usual. As per usual. Well, hopefully it'll... We'll be able to stitch this together and make make a show of it. This week on the sh- hey. with this week we'll be discussing Gareth Evans' Apostle, along with someone we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Just a quick plug for our '90s show, Saved by the '90s. It's the October Halloween special is going to be out October fifteenth. So be sure to tune in next Monday for that. I'm very excited for, for you all to hear that. We had a really good time recording it. Check out the promo. We'll have a promo video for the episode up probably as you're listening to this or shortly thereafter. I'm planning on releasing it sometime. Did, did you watch all the TV versions of them? The TV version? I think that would have been pretty fun. No, uh, I I just definitely I didn't. love I I love I just miss that. I don't catch uh, movies on TV anymore. Nor do I. But just the way the way they used to make that work. I can't do it, man. It, it's so <laughs> rough. Like especially when they were pan and scan. Just the 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 weird editing. With the pan and scan, just I just can't do it. And just the the replacing the swear mm-hmm. words. I love that. I miss it kind of. It's just something about it. It's so ridiculous. Some of my favorite TV edits are Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. There's some amazing edits in that, and Mall <laughs> Rats has an amazing yes. TV version. <laughs> Those those are two of my personal favorites. Let us know yours. Which is kind of I. There's so many movies that I saw as a kid on TV that I'm still like, yeah, I saw that movie, but I know now as a 34 year old that I did not see those movies because I saw completely butchered versions. Yeah. Um. Of those movies. Yeah, like National Lampoon's Vacation. For many, many, many years, I only saw because it, it was always on TV, right? That that's yeah. that's one that's sort of ubiquitously on TV every summer. That's that's on some channel, and I've I've seen it on TV so many times. But it wasn't until I was in probably my late twenties that I saw the actual uncut full <laughs> version of that movie. Maybe mid twenties, but uh, yeah, I think it was like when it came out on. I think I picked it up on Blu-ray or DVD whenever it came out on that format, and it was very eye-opening. It's like, wow, this is yeah. completely different. <laughs> I I wonder how many movies that I saw on TV back then that I was like, oh, this is bad, but it was bad because it was on TV. And they, they never got a fair chance. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably happened multiple times. Mm. Sorry, movies. Well, we know better now. I don't. Do they even? I guess they still make TV edits. 
They, it probably happens less, a lot less than it used to. Uh, yeah. Now that we have like Netflix and on-demand services and stuff, I'd like to know. I'd like to know like how that works if they still do TV. I know they do airplane edits because when you watch movies on airplanes, a lot of them are edited. Ooh. I watched. Uh, I believe it was Kingsman Golden Circle on an airplane and it was edited. <laughs> yeah, they they so they still do that. Anyway, let's talk about our movie this week, Apostle. This is written and directed by Gareth Evans. I have a synopsis here. A man attempts to rescue his sister who's been kidnapped by a religious cult. Now, Gareth Evans, you may know from The Raid and The Raid 2, and this is a little bit of a departure for him. This is a, a period piece that is set on this this small this island of outcasts, and it is not an Indonesian martial arts film. It stars Dan Stevens and Michael Sheen's in there. Bill Bill Milner. Christine Froseth. Kevin, what did you think of Apostle? I don't know if I knew or I must have just forgotten up until the point that the movie started that this was a period piece. Because I don't know, there's still like this part of me that thought like, oh, this is like kind of an action movie. It's just a different type. And then it was old timey. And I was like, well, if it is, that's not going to work. And uh, man, his his uh, his storytelling when he's not directing action and he's directing just like human interactions, just kind of normal mundane stuff, it does not work uh, too well. He is that is not his strong suit. No, and he wa- he wastes a lot of time here, not really doing anything, and. A large chunks of this are just outright boring. I'm sorry. Yeah, I com- I completely agree. <laughs> I think it's. St- I don't think it starts off. At least to me, it didn't start off boring. It, it no, really because there's still there there's still that initial injury. right. Yeah. Uh, I for me it wasn't until maybe like in the second act when it just started to dip for me and get into sort of this mundane territory where he was meeting people and there was that sort of love interest that was sparked and then spending all the time with that, the young couple Mm -hmm. and and just Dan Stevens, uh, getting the lay of the land and, and figuring out what, what's happening and who these people are in this, in this place, the, the intrigue level did wane during these moments. Mm -hmm. But for me, it, when the action picks back up, it it's like, oh, okay, I can excuse the the boring story bits because I thought that the action. I mean, one thing one thing is for sure. Yes, this is a period piece, and it's more of a horror movie, I would say, than uh, than anything else. It's like a mystery thriller. It's it's. I wouldn't call it an action movie, but no, no. But he does. But Evans does deliver action. And I think that fans of the Raid series will 
be happy to know that it is pretty pretty intense and pretty brutal and the camera work is very much the same uh, as what he uses in the raid movies yeah which <clears throat> that kind of bothered me too uh i think that that could that camera style, those camera movements and such work in something like the raid because everything's so wonderful. And here it just, it did not work because the, to me, I just, I didn't, none of the action connected with me. And when they do do it, it just feels completely out of place. It doesn't make any sense while Dan Stevens is able to like take down people and he's able to use these sticks and stuff when I'm I'm told that he's just, he was a missionary. So I don't know where he learned that shit. Well, we know that some shit happened to him. We know that. We yeah, know that he some... got, oh, he was a missionary and he got burned. Like, when it, did he find time to just learn martial arts? He's not fighting people. He got a shit kicked out of him. We don't know what the whole backstory there is. Because... Because he was gone for a long time after that, right? So, so well, he's, yeah, and he was addicted to drugs the whole time, or most of the time. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think this guy's doing much of anything <laughs> outside. I mean, he could barely open up an eyedropper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you tell me he's subduing dudes left and right when it's needed. I don't think so. Sorry, not happening. I was able to suspend my disbelief when it came to. Dan Stevens fighting skills. I that that didn't really bother me too much. It was noticeable, but I didn't really care because I I, I enjoyed the action. I I agree that it did feel a little weird considering you have this sort of almost gothic horror vibe where there's this weird cult. Very it felt very much like the Wicker Man sort of you have this yeah. creepy village and they have hoods and masks and all kinds of strange occult ritualistic things happening. And it's all very slow and very deliberately paced. And then you have these like spurts where all of a sudden the camera just comes alive. And whereas before the camera is very, you know, somber movements, very, very plodding. And then the action occurs and you're just like back into the raid and the camera's like moving all over the place. <laughs> and it's like, it's got a life of its own and the, the speed and energy of that doesn't necessarily fit with the rest of the movie. No, it is, it is really bizarre. It's quite odd. At least I thought, and then do you get the whole thing? With the like the horror aspect of it, with this this woman, I guess that kind of runs the the land. It was welcomed up until a point where you know it was something different, it was something kind of out of left field. But I just it didn't really seem like he knew what the hell to do with that because it just it didn't really go anywhere, and it's given you these little bits and pieces. Enough to keep it kind of uh, like vague, some ambiguity there where you're not entirely sure like how this works, like the connection between her and the land and everything. And then you get Dan Stevens who kind of gets this like he gets to go behind the curtain and you think, okay, he's he's having the vision 
that's going to kind of explain some of this. And essentially, all they do is just tell you what they already told you. Right. Just years ago. And it's just the same thing again. You're like, okay, that, I don't, what are you doing? Like, is this a cult thing? Is, like, what's the supernatural stuff? The supernatural stuff just feels, like, wildly underdeveloped. Yeah, I could have done with more of that. I thought that when they first introduced the supernatural element, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is, all right. Because it introduced this, like, whole other layer to it. And that, that was at the point in time, too, where I started getting a little bit bored. And then that kind of pops up and... I mean, it pops up beforehand, but it, it later on it's kind of shown as like this is going to be a bigger thing, and you're like, okay, well, okay, got my interest levels back up a little bit here, and then it's just nothing really done with it outside of a guy wearing a hornet's nest for a mask or something, and he's just like violent. Yeah, and that's it. I got to say, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought that overall it. It looked good. I liked the I liked the the costuming and the creepy masks and the hoods and all of that stuff. It felt it it felt very creepy and cult like and I kinda dig that whole look, that aesthetic. And I liked the the premise. I liked the idea of Dan Stevens, this burnt out druggy missionary going into this infiltrating this cult to rescue his his sister and the the cult didn't disappoint like i thought that the cult was adequately creepy and they were doing all kinds of weird you know sacrificial stuff and weird rituals and they had like that dude with the mask the the the, that took care of the woman and like he was just covered in blood the whole time and and then you had like the like the the underground like rivers of blood and viscera chickens and there were like there were like people living in there too right what in the in the underground tunnel thing yeah there was like that when he went in there and he found there was like the uh, oh that was just the woman was, that was that her was the, though the witch yeah that was the witch woman so or whatever. but here whatever she was so I don't understand so but it looked like she was sort of fused to like those the the plants yeah. and stuff does she like does yeah. she break free of that event well let me tell you this i don't know if they're two people or if it's like a different version of her i don't know if it's like projecting things or what's going on here but i think gareth evans knows <laughs> And he just did a piss poor job of kind of getting that across in the movie. I mean, I thought maybe I missed something with that, and I very well may have. I just didn't quite yeah, understand just, how how the inner workings of that. That's that's what I mean. When you finally get that, like when she does the fingers to his temple thing, mm-hmm. and you like it's this flashback to like her early day history. You're like, oh, here we go. We're going to find some stuff out. And it's just like (laughs) another scene of pouring blood in her mouth. And it's like, okay, I already knew that. We did that like nine times already. Yeah. 
Like, are you, any any more info, or just we're sticking to the blood thing? Yes, yeah, very curious. Uh, there's a lot of could it expand it a little yeah. bit? Let me be honest. I don't know if I needed nine scenes of pouring blood into her mouth because I got that. I got the gist of that. Yeah, there were a number of scenes that what the scene that directly preceded that with Dan Stevens on the table. Uh, I really enjoyed that scene. I thought that scene was really exciting and fun and pretty brutal. Uh, most of the violence in this film was pretty high level. Pretty, it was pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, it, was, it was disturbing. There's a lot of really kind of horrible medieval torture devices and things being utilized in this movie to great effect. I'm not sure that I was really into the whole uh, love story between the two young people either. No, but with the love stories all around, it was just unnecessary. Yeah. It it didn't really feel like, I mean, I guess that that was used to, for him to help you use those kids to help him. But, I don't know. Yeah, and when and you also had that as the like the catalyst at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, this is kind of the coup and everything. But I don't know. The first off, you have this when they first come into the island. You have this insane landscape. That's just unbelievable, and it's just not used at all until like the end. Like the beginning and the end it kind of takes advantage of the beautiful landscape there, but everything in between. And again, it's a long ass movie. It is because you're dilly dallying and just ugh. yeah, it is. It is over two hours long, I believe. Two hours and just nine minutes long. Cut to cut the shit down. Yeah, I think for me it's just ultimately again it's just a lot of uh, elements to this are very familiar which none of them really were done like in in an exciting new way enough for me to like really recommend it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as like cult movies go or like Gothic horror movies go, it's, it's middle of the road. It's all right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I didn't hate it or anything, but for me, it's, it's not on the same level as, as, the raid or the raid two, certainly. No. Um, or or uh, even Marintal, the film that he did before the raid. Or even what was the little? Was that him and Timo that did the little cult movie? I think Timo that was everyone. I think that was just Timo. Was that just yeah. him? Well, he didn't even beat that. So there you go. It. He told you he wasted two two hours and nine minutes and he couldn't even top that shit. What was that? Like eight minutes long? Ten minutes? I I'm I was I was incorrect. It he it looks like he wrote that. They should have quit. That was his that was his cult movie. Yeah, that was a great you know, oh man. Don't go back to it, dude. You're not topping everyone. Yeah. In concert uh, holding up guns to their heads. So, that that sequence in VHS too. Well, Almost makes it worth 
seeing that movie just because I, <laughs> I was wondering in the back of my head i was like what was that a part of you said vhs too and i just got like a shiver down my spine like oh god yeah that was that was definitely the uh the bright spot of that movie yeah if you can watch that um divorced from the rest of vhs too do so watch that instead of apostle you could watch it like 10 or 12 times yeah it's pretty breezy by the time i finish watching apostle once <laughs> so you can watch that shit you got the rest of the day to do stuff man you can cross all sorts of things off your to-do list yeah so two two directors that i uh very much admire gareth evans and jeremy saulnier putting out netflix <laughs> movies that are no a little is... bit underwhelming netflix undefeated i was thinking about this too because we you know we talked about that in the beginning of the year kind of seen how this is going to play out with a lot of big name mm-hmm. directors yeah. that we actually like doing netflix movies and kind of thinking of Netflix movies that I have watched that I have genuinely liked. Like, I think I might be missing some here, but probably the one I like the most is from Noah Baumbach. Like, what the fuck? The, I think my number one Netflix original is still that one, the Macon Blair one. The one with this, I can't, I don't want to live in this world anymore. Is that the name of it? Or I don't, yeah, I, some, something like that. So. It's a very long title. The one with Melanie Linsky and Elijah Wood. I think that's still my number one Netflix original movie. Okay. Or Okja. I forget that's... Ah, uh, yeah. They're, okay, that's my number yeah, one. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, thank I goodness. sort of forget that that's a Netflix. That seemed like so long ago. Yeah. Uh, if you want to hear me talk more about Netflix originals, stay tuned for the watch list because I got another big netflix original that i'm going to talk about did you watch private life no oh okay (laughs) no i didn't i want to watch that but now i'm worried i have a feeling it's just going to be netflix original like i can't quite describe it but i know exactly what i mean when i say it uh when i when i think of netflix original i just think of lesser like that's that's the the only thing I can come up with is just it's it's a lesser film. Yeah, I just mediocre. It's just mediocrity. But right there at your fingertips, right there on your I TV. Don't, but you I don't know if I would. I think a lot of them are, but I think I think it's a little harsh for some of them. Like Hold the Dark, for instance. I wouldn't say that that was a mediocre film. I'd say that that was. That was a good film. No, that was mediocre. No, was I mediocre. don't think so. I I don't think that yeah. was mediocre. I see a lot of mediocre movies, and I feel like that had something more to say than. I just know that I could go my entire life without watching Hold the Door. Not to say that I didn't necessarily enjoy myself watching Hold the Door. It was fine. It was okay. I had an okay time watching it, but. If I went my entire life without watching that movie, I don't think I would be that disappointed with the way things worked out. 
I'd be okay with it. I'll probably forget what happens in that movie by next year at this time. That's what I'm saying. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not going to remember that. Apostle, thing. I will remember the 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 violent moments, like the action scenes. And maybe I could say the same thing mm-hmm. about Hold the Dark too, since those were so pronounced. But as far as the storyline in Apostle goes, like the the details, I that they'll yeah. probably leave me fairly quickly. Let's let's give Apostle a score. I'm gonna give it a six. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Okay, I'm gonna give it like a five. I'm gonna go five. Apostles opening this Friday on Netflix, so you can check it out if you so. Just please. remember when you when you get home Friday from work, just search for it because you're not gonna be able to. Find yeah, it. it's not gonna be on there. Yeah, you gotta you gotta actively search for it because. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, go out of your way to find that fucker. That happened to me very recently, actually. I can't remember what I was trying to find. It was Lahaina Steady Habits. No, but I had no, the same yeah, issue. There was that, but there was another one. Everything? There was a, there was one that happened even more recently than that. Where Mania? I think it seems like it's every single it might have one. Been, yeah, Anytime it might have been Maniac. Like, I don't know. I'll be like, oh, something came out. And then I get on Netflix and I'm like, did it actually come out though? I'm not seeing it here. It's a shit show. It's an utter shit show. It is. Here's hoping that the new Timo movie is is going to be good. That's a Netflix one. It comes out, I think. That might come out this Friday too, actually. or This Friday or next Friday. That's going to be crazy if they if Evans and Timo have competing movies. I think I think that one is the following Friday. Yeah, I think you're right. 19th. Yeah. I'm really excited for that one. I'm from from everything that I've been hearing out of Fantastic Fest, I don't think that one's going to let me down. Although I've heard a lot of good stuff about Apostle too and I was Slightly disappointed with that. Uh, all right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, I think it's your turn this week. Uh, I watched The In-Laws, Arthur Hiller, 1979, Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. They're in-laws, or about to be in-laws. And Peter Falk works for the CIA. And he gets uh, Alan Arkin, who plays Sheldon Cornpet, who's a dentist, on Fifth Avenue, gets him involved in this crazy scheme, CIA scheme, involving robbing the mint and doing some dirty dealings in Central America. And man, they just get into all sorts of trouble. And Corn Pet just doesn't know what to do. He's out of his element. He's a dentist for Christ's sake. And Peter Falk, goddamn Peter Falk. Man, <clears throat> when he's doing comedy, I can just watch Peter Falk. Honestly, if Peter Falk's just doing anything that involves him being Peter Falk, I can watch it forever. And he's so great here. He's hilarious. And just those two together, him and Arkin, doing their odd couple thing. Mm. It's such a great time. 
I still can't recommend it highly enough. This movie's so great. I still frequently think about Peter Falk in Made, and these the, <laughs> the scene when he's giving them their task, and Vince Vaughn just not comprehending anything. Uh, that's my per diem. Uh, yeah, that's my per diem. He's, it's just such a wonderful because you stole my carpet just, cleaning van and i don't like you you fuck uh, oh man oh, he's so wonderful yeah, I, if you love peter fogg and you haven't seen the in-laws you need to do it you have to it's imperative yeah this has been one that's on my watch list forever i just it's so good I do love me some Peter Falk. I miss him. This is classic Falk. I saw a lot of stuff this week. I'll I'll start it with the the one that I mentioned, a Netflix original. I saw the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is the new Coen Brothers movie. Ne- oh, Netflix yeah. original. So this started off the the Coens would write these short stories and they they were writing them as far back as 25 years ago so they would they have this like collection of these western s- stories and they and they were sitting on them forever and they didn't really know what to do with them and then when netflix came around they said hey you know let's work together and that's how it how this started it was going to be originally it was going to be 6 episodes in a little like mini series, I guess, but the Coens wanted it to all be together. Like they wanted, um, they wanted people to watch them in one sitting. So they decided to make it into just a movie. They didn't cut anything out or anything like that. It's so it's six, it's an anthology Western anthology film. That's six segments and they're not interconnected or anything like that. Although they each sort of tackle a different Western theme. So you pretty much all the different types of Western film that you can think of, they sort of tackle in this. The sort of unfortunate thing is the first segment in the film is one with Tim Blake Nelson and he plays Buster Scruggs. That's the best segment in the movie. When you have an anthology film and they come out of the gate with the best one, it really makes the rest of the movie lose steam. So it was kind of a bummer that that one happened to be the one that they started with because it was so good. Like, I just I want to watch it again and again and again. I just want to watch it right now. And the other ones are not quite as great. The second segment features James Franco as bank robber. There's one with Liam Neeson where he is this, the owner of this like sideshow act. And that's the, I think by far the worst one. And it, and it happens to be right in the middle of this, the movie. Mm-hmm. So everything just completely loses steam at that point. There's one that features Tom Waits as a as a gold 
a gold miner panning for gold. Mm-hmm. And that one's great. Uh, there's one with Brendan Gleason. There's one with Zoe Kazan. And those are, those are all right. The Brendan Gleason one is the one that closes the film out. And that one is also not, not my favorite of the bunch. Uh, the Zoe Kazan one's pretty good. So overall, I would say it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Some of them are stronger than others, like most anthology films. But it's almost worth watching just for the the Tom Waits one and the Tim Blake Nelson one, because those are just those are very good. I saw David Lynch's Dune from 1984. Some Dune action, some Dune action. Now, I've always been led to believe that this movie is terrible. It's just god awful. It's just a complete train wreck. And you shouldn't see it. But I fucking watched it. And you know what? I liked it. I thought it was pretty great. I was surprised. I don't know what people are talking about. Uh, it is a little bit of a mess, which I would imagine, you know, mostly comes down to studio interference because I don't know what they were expecting working with David Lynch doing sci fi. But as far as David Lynch movies go, it's fairly straightforward. I was also kind of surprised by the number of people that said that like the storyline, the narrative doesn't really make any sense. And it's just an absolute mess because I thought it was, I found it fairly straightforward. There's, there's this planet, they mine spice. They just call it spice. And spice kind of runs everything in the galaxy. And it enables people to time travel because they can fold time. So you can you can travel to a different place in the galaxy without ever moving because you just fold it on itself. And getting the spice is what does it. So they go to get the spice and Kyle McLaughlin decides, well, he's kind of forced into it. Kind of becomes something bigger and kind of fights back. And uh, it's got some great stuff in here. I mean, some of the stuff that David Lynch does with the big budget is pretty wonderful. Some of the effects, I will admit, this is 1984, okay? So some of the effects are, they're rough. They look awful. They have not aged Mm. well. But some of the other stuff, I got surprised. You know, there were still some segments, some set pieces and stuff that still kind of wowed me. In 2018. So, I mean, that counts for something. Sure. But definitely not as bad as I've been led to believe with Dune. I saw this movie when I was a kid. I I don't remember. I hardly remember anything about it except the the worms, like the sand worms. Yeah. The worms are great. I can see it like as a kid. Yeah. I mean, it's fairly, it's fairly adult. You know what I mean? This isn't like a fun space adventure type deal. You know, it's all about dreams and shit because it's David Lynch. He's got to get that dream stuff Mm -hmm. in there. All right. That's Dune. I saw a star is born. (laughs) Yeah, you did. More more like a star is bored. Ooh, (laughs) you got him. Zinger. Killed it. You're done. That's it, right? Thank you, folks. Take that, Bradley Cooper.
I I did not like this movie, unsurprisingly, but I figured this is going to be one that everybody talks about, so I might as well just get it over with, see it, try to keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it they should have had a Netflix original logo slapped at the top of the poster for this one because. It did not feel like anything special to me at all. Yeah. Like it's, it's exactly what you would expect it to be. It really is. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing new here or unique. I mean, I think the music is the big hook, but there's really only two notable songs and both are featured in the trailer so it's not like they're dropping any kind of surprise hits on you. Yeah. And it kind of blew your mind. I just, the, the characters felt very shallow and I was not on board with this, this love story and this, uh, this, this movie about, you know, this unknown waitress who rises to the top who's a singer who you know falls for this this big time guy and he he helps make her a star mm. i would say the best part of this is that andrew dice clay plays lady gaga's dad and he he <laughs> does a really great job we're we're still feeling that that dice man renaissance. And it's I, just it's not as it's not as quick as everyone else's yeah. renaissance. It's it's a more staggered renaissance. Yeah, he's taking his time with this. Yeah, it's good though. He's picking his projects. He's good picking his projects carefully. Right. And he was great in it. Dave Chappelle was pretty good in it too. And Sam Elliott plays Bradley Cooper's brother and he was pretty good too. Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper himself was not great in this. And Lady Gaga was good for not really having a lot of acting experience under her belt. I mean, she, she did some things here and there. I know she was on American horror story. She was not very good in American horror story. She was, significantly gotcha. better in this but well that's good you know obviously she was brought on for her singing talents which she she's yeah. a very good singer i did get to hear the bradley cooper song this morning it unfortunately came on npr because i listened to the radio in the morning not npr xpm whatever it is so i got to hear that whole song about the old ways die or yeah. something so and it was his it was Bradley Cooper singing and wow, it's just really bland. Yeah. Just super bland. <laughs> and that's that's one of the two big songs that I mentioned. One. Yeah. The the other songs, because yeah. there's there's other songs in the movie, but they're just very, really generic. Just really generic. That and that shallow song are the two ones that I'm sure will be like nominated for Oscars and whatever, but I mean, I appreciated some things in this movie. It, it looked okay. There was there was like one really well done shot at the very end of the movie that I was 
uh, sort of taken aback when it happened because the the previous two hours looked average. And they did all the singing live, so I was thankful for that because I hate it. I'm not a big fan of musicals in general, but when they don't do the singing live in musicals, that is even worse to me because then it just feels like it's not even... It's yeah. it's like even more disconnected. So it's it sounded good. Thir- that throws me off too. It's just weird. But yeah, not not into it. I was just say don't believe the hype. We uh Mint reviewed this for us and gave it a three out of ten on the site. So mm. you can read Mint's review if you'd like. Mint not having nope. it. Shutting that shit down. Uh, I watched A Boy and His Dog from 1975. The sci-fi. The dystopian sci-fi mm-hmm. movie from L.Q. Jones. This is uh, currently playing on uh, Amazon Prime. If you have a Prime membership, you can watch it. They have two two on there. It's the same movie. It's just two different posters. Uh, the one that I watched, the, the subtitles are not linked up whatsoever. Well, they are for like the first 15 minutes, and then they're not. It's kind of like on a minute and a half uh-huh. delay, so it's really fucking irritating. So I wasn't able to watch my movie with my with my subtitles. It was difficult, I will tell you. I don't like it. But uh, this is Don Johnson. Early role, Don Johnson. In the year 2024. Post-apocalyptic America. It's an eight-year-old with his telepathic dog blood. They just kind of go around. He's, you know, he's an eight-year-old guy, so he's just obsessed with women and uh, blood. The dog. He has radar that can pick up women, and that's pretty much what they do. Very misogynistic movie, and uh, just overall not that great. I mean, it has some good ideas in here. The dog's the best part. And then there comes a point in time where Don Johnson goes into the... Oh, I can't remember the name of it. I think it was called the Down Below. It was this bunker. But you go the whole way down in, and it's actually like 1950s America. It's like Topeka, Kansas. And everyone's got clown makeup on. And it's the 50s. And everyone's super white. And it's just... It's a nightmare. And he goes down without the dog. So things get slightly interesting, but there's, you know, there's a trade-off. You lose the dog, which is the only thing that really matters in this movie. Because the dog can talk. He's telepathic. Did I mention that? Don Johnson, not great. Mostly just wants to have sex with women. He'll rape them if he has Uh to. He'll pull guns on them. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, yeah, I guess it, it works for 1975. Here, uh, in current climate, it doesn't work so I well. I just remember that one poster for this movie that it was like, uh, was it like, a, it looked like an atomic bomb blast, maybe? And it was like a smiley face? Yes, yes. That's the I know what you're talking about. The like the big mushroom yeah. cloud. Yeah. That's this movie, right? That has that poster. That is. Oh yeah. yeah, there it is. I just found it. 
I, I just remember seeing that all the time at the video store. Yeah. And I've always heard good things about this. So I've, I, you know, stumbled across it on Amazon. I was like, yes, finally I can watch this thing. And it just didn't live mm. up to it. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It sounds like I'll be skipping that one. Yeah. It's, it's not good. Uh, I saw mid nineties. Is the one as uh, the directorial debut from Jonah Hill. It's about a 13-year-old boy growing up in Los Angeles in the mid-90s. And I was really excited about this movie. This kid is roughly our age. I don't know if it says exactly what year, but I would say it probably does take place around 95. So he's right around our age. And he has a difficult home life. His brother, played by Lucas Hedges, constantly just beating the crap out of him. His mom, Catherine Waterston, is struggling to just make ends meet and take care of these kids, especially with Lucas Hedges being difficult. And, you know, she she was very young. She had her first kid when she was 18. So Lucas Hedges is is 18 in this. And so the kid played by Sonny Soljic, he just sort of does his own thing and he doesn't really have any friends. And then he ends up seeing these kids skating around this, this local skate shop. And he sort of just inserts himself into their group. And eventually they, approach him, become friends with him, and then sort of recruit him onto their little, their little skate crew. And it's just about him becoming friends with these kids and then starting to get into some stuff that a 13 year old kid probably shouldn't be getting into, like taking Adderall and drinking and smoking weed and hooking up with girls and doing some really dangerous stuff on a skateboard and he's like just learning how to skate. But (laughs) there's a lot of really good nineties nostalgia in there. That's not, it, it certainly doesn't throw it in your face. There's, there's not a lot of that happening, but there's enough in there that makes you well aware of the, the time period and the, Soundtrack is a big part of that. Um, I really love the soundtrack. Atticus Ross and uh, Trent Reznor did the score. And then mixed in is it's a very heavily licensed soundtrack. You have like Wu-Tang and the Pixies and a lot of really great. You got Souls of Mischief in there and really, really great. Mostly hip hop, but some kind of punk slash grunge stuff in there like as well but unfortunately the it feels overly burdened with the plot uh the way that i felt about mid 90s was very similar to how i felt about skate kitchen where i was really enjoying the camaraderie with the friends uh the the main kid's name stevie and i liked the dynamic that he had with the kids that he meets 
and the the banter that they had, even though they mind you, this is the nineties, and back in the nineties, we used to frequently say like homophobic slurs that we probably shouldn't have, and that was just sort of how mm-hmm. you know, like in the eighties, you had if you watch movies from the eighties and they'll say certain things and you're just like, Ooh, Ooh, mm. like I'm oh, thinking yeah. back to the nineties when we would say, you know, like the F word, I was s- completely tolerant, but I did use that word, not really referring to not really using it as a, as a slur, but using it as um, like calling someone an asshole. Mm hmm. But obviously looking back. Well, it's also difficult when you go back to like 90s hip hop. Yeah. Like when you start listening back then and it just, it comes up so frequently and you're just like, "Mm." yeah, Mm, yeah, it was pervasive. It it really, it really was. I was listening to all this when I was a kid. I mean, and you know, we, we said those things and it, we didn't, at least I, I mean, I can't speak for all of our friends, but. I think I can safely say that our none of our friends were homophobic in any way, but they would use that that word. And so anyway, uh, they do use that word a lot in this movie. And it adds to the authenticity, certainly, but it's still rough to hear it. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot, but but it they do say it maybe like half a dozen times and it's it's realistic, but it's still rough to hear. But overall, I thought th- I liked the movie. Uh, I liked how it, they, it was shot on sixteen millimeter. It was it's in a like one one point three three by one aspect ratio, so it's like a very square. I like that. I like that look. Uh, and por- portions of it are on VHS as well, so it it definitely has this nineties skate culture vibe to it. I think they really nailed that aesthetic, but I have a review for this up on the site. It comes out, uh, I think in like two weeks. So, uh, mid nineties, check it out. That's it. That's all I got. All right. I got a couple more that I can just sort of rapid fire transitioning from mid nineties. I saw, don't worry. He won't get far on foot. I did a blu-ray review for this. I think this is where Jonah Hill met the kid from mid nineties. Cause that kid is actually in this movie. I didn't, I didn't know mm. that from the onset, but this is the Gus Van Zandt directed biopic about John Callahan, the, the cartoonist who was an alcoholic and he gets in a uh, horrific car crash that leaves him a quadriplegic. And it's just about his his story, what led him to the the car crash and the recovery that he had afterwards. Interestingly, he still drank even after the accident. I the way that the trailer made it out to be he got sober after the accident, but that's not really what happened. He didn't get sober until several years after the accident. Also, one thing that's a little bit misleading about the trailer in this movie is that it looks like a comedy, but this is definitely not a comedy. Uh, there's not a lot of humor happening in this movie. It's it's pretty depressing, 
actually. Okay. Uh, Van Zant uses this sort of this wishy-washy structure where he jumps back and forth between the past and the present and then continues that story and then jumps back a little bit more and the the side characters are almost non-existent and sorely underdeveloped like Rooney Mara's character she plays John Callahan's girlfriend John Callahan played by Joaquin Phoenix by the way she's barely even in it and I don't really know the the story behind that this is based on his autobiography so maybe she just wasn't very present in his life but I I just I don't I don't really know she was just not in it that much at all the only character that has any kind of like development other than Joaquin Phoenix is Jonah Hill and even he sort of when when his character disappears it's not there's not a really uh big enough resolution I feel to with what they did with him so I wasn't really big on this movie I thought it was okay I mean it, it could have been a Netflix original it just it wasn't wasn't great I saw Three Identical Strangers. I won't really divulge anything about the the plot of this because I feel like going in as cold as possible on this one is is the way to see it. Because this is one of these documentaries that has just twist after twist after twist. And it's really well made. And I think it's my favorite documentary of the year. There's really fantastic reenactments. It's top top notch documentary filmmaking so highly recommend three identical strangers i saw tales from the hood too uh this man this one this one was a little bit disappointing i didn't i didn't really expect a lot from this movie but i'm a big fan of the first one i know you are too but they they were so on the nose with everything they did in this one that a lot of it didn't really feel fun. I didn't have the same kind of like fun uh, Tales from the Crypt style vibe that I had from the first one. This was more like, I don't know how to describe it, but they were like, it, it was all like joking. It was all social commentary and... I thought that a lot of it didn't work just because they tried to be serious like several times and it didn't Mm -hmm. really work and it came off as feeling very cheap looking. So I would say that some of the segments were okay. I liked Keith David as the, like the undertaker guy from the original one. He sort of took over as that character you know the guy the guy nice. delivering the tales telling the tales uh but there's yeah. i mean it's the whole movie is just um talking about current current affairs really like the black lives matter movement and where we're at with um sort of trump and all of that stuff so it's it's all very recent some of the things that they talk about but unfortunately, most of it just doesn't work, and it feels really low budget. 
I did like the intro though. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but the intro looks so nineties. Like I don't know if you've ever seen on Twitter that that one Twitter account called Deshare Zone, where where they mm-hmm. use like the sort of nineties CG graphics. Oh yeah, the intro of this movie looks like that. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was on if they. We're trying to make it look cool, or if they're trying to make it look cheesy and old, but that it worked for me. So, anyway, Tales from the Hood too can't really recommend. All right, let's take a look at new releases this week. We have the Happy Prince, twenty two July. That looks like a Netflix one. That's the uh, I know what that is. That's the the Paul Greengrass one. Yeah. That's the new mm-hmm. Paul Greengrass one. Mm-hmm. Got First Man coming out. New Damien Chazelle. What do you think about this? Going to the moon. This 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 seems like a hard pass from you. Is that inaccurate? That yeah. is correct. That is correct. I figured as much. I'll give it a shot. I have no expectations for it. Got bad times at the El Royale. Now, this one I am excited for. Because hopefully have some good times with the bad times. Yeah. Are you are you into this one at all? It looks all right. I mean, I'll probably, if one of those, I'll probably pick up on the Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty into it. Hopefully it's, it's decent. We got Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween coming out. I actually liked the first Goosebumps. I don't know if I liked it enough to be clamoring for a sequel, but... Yeah, this this might be like a Netflix watch for me. Uh, Beautiful Boy comes out. I think that's a pretty anticipated movie, right? Seems like it. I feel like a lot of people are digging on this one. Steve Carell, Timothy Chalamet. Based on the uh, set of memoirs from a father and son where the son is a uh, an addict. Got the oath coming out. This is the comedy. With. Uh, Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish. It's directed by Ike Barinholtz as well and written. Looks pretty funny. Yeah, looks like it could be enjoyable. Looks like it could have a potential good time with those. Some smaller releases, including After Everything Shotgun, in parentheses. I'm not sure what that's all about. Yeah, that's an odd, uh, that's an odd title. After everything, shotgun. <laughs> Got Look Away, I Still See You, Stella's Last Weekend, Bigger, Over the Limit. A lot of these are documentaries. A couple thrillers in there. All Square, Sadie, The Sentence, that's going to be on HBO. Better Start Running, Kinky. Let's take a look at what we have on VOD. Starting with October 9th, we have I Dream of Dance. And on the 12th, we have Better Start Running. And looks like that's pretty much it. I feel like there's some other stuff coming out. Oh, Friday. Yeah, Friday's the 12th. I was going to say, it seems like kind of a short list there. Yeah, that's all I have on my list. The The sentence comes out on... 
Monday on HBO. There's probably some more stuff that just hasn't been uh, emailed to us. A lot. I, I noticed recently we get emails about VOD editions like two days before they come out. Ooh, nice. On a lot of them, so there's probably <clears throat> going to be more stuff on VOD this week. On Blu-ray, uh, we have Eighth Grade. This is the Bo Burnham film. Okay. Yeah. Big fan. I'm a big fan of that. I should have a Blu-ray review for this up on the site by the time you're hearing this we got skyscraper that's the dwayne johnson one that looked pretty average got hotel transylvania three we have deadly crush Ooh. pre-hysteria from 1993 getting a blu-ray release i, I sort of want to see that movie Maybe for the 90s podcast, we'll squeeze that in somewhere. A Prayer Before Dawn is coming out. That's the boxing one. I think okay. it's a Muay Thai one. Oh, yeah. I know what movie you're It's based about. on a true story, I believe, about... Uh, I don't know. I can't remember where he was from. It was like England or Australia or somewhere. And he ended up in prison in Thailand or something. And became a boxer. Yeah. I heard it was pretty good. Uh, Don't Worry He Won't Get Far on Foot is also coming out on Blu-ray. As is Forest of Lost Souls. Oh. Yeah. uh, Chris reviewed that one for us. Forest of Lost Souls. And he said it's not very good. Cabaret from 1972 is also getting a Blu-ray release. What do we have on Criterions this week? We have we have one Criterion, and this is kind of a big one here. We have Fassbender's. This one's pretty rare. I think this is the first time it's ever been coming out on DVD, home home media, and that's eight hours. Don't make a day. This was uh, commissioned for uh, public television. So you hmm. get uh, Fassbender doing some TV work. All right. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.